0: You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. Okay, we are live on the air. Welcome, everyone. We are doing another session of the Utopian and the Combustion, as yeah. I have phrased this, have as call, called this segment. Uh, we have the amazing Gene Epstein and Jeffrey Tucker, who are both illustrious Austrian economic ec- economists. And if you watched their last video, it was a whole lot of fun. They (laughs) talked about Bitcoin last time, talked about value and where the value of Bitcoin came from, and uh, fantastic debate. Um, So if you haven't check that out, then have a look in in my videos and you'll find that. Uh, Gene Epstein is the former economics editor of Barron's and former book review editor of Barron's. He is the uh, head of the SohoForum.org. He founded it and is the president Ah. of that organisation. And Jeffrey Tucker is the editorial director of AIER.org. So make sure you check out uh, all of their work there. AIErs are some amazing stuff. So her forum hosts some amazing debates. So check those out. But I'm going to hop off this call uh, after I have introduced these two wonderful gentlemen. Welcome uh, to the chat, both of you.
1: <clears throat> Thank you, Naomi. And of course, you helped co-found the Soul Forum and you made a very big difference in its infancy, which we could talk about. But we really, I really basically want to talk to Jeff about our robots taking our jobs.
0: Absolutely, so I will let you guys go on it. So I'm hopping off the video and microphone now. If you have questions for us I will be checking out our YouTube live stream and the Twitter thread that I've started. So send your questions there and, uh, and I'll be <coughs> passing those on to our speakers. Enjoy
1: <coughs> Sorry, thought, uh, Jeff you're there. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so we're gonna address the question of our robots uh, taking uh, everyone's jobs and and uh, I I could plunge in. Uh, Do you want me to plunge in? uh, in Go ahead.
2: Yeah, go ahead. I'm
1: going to take the plunge. I think that, uh, as usual, uh, we as Austrians and as uh, empirically minded economists should recognize certain verities about uh, uh, economics. And the first one, which is central to this question, is really the the simple statement, which is uh, the statement about scarcity. What everybody wants always adds up to more than there is. So there will always be plenty of work to go around, at least for the foreseeable future, because uh, there will always be scarcity. Uh, there will always be a situation in which what everybody wants uh, adds up to more than there is. And, uh, and this is <clears throat> so often forgotten by the uh, technical lunatics uh, who talk about uh this uh issue <clears throat> they uh, they tend to forget that uh, i mean i think the other part of it uh is uh to recognize that if there really will be if if they if we really are going to have very extensive robotization of output then since the robots can work 24 7 they don't have to rest you know maybe a little you know a little time off to get them oiled and uh and so on uh then uh output is just going to go through the roof and, uh, and so uh, probably uh, many people will go m- more for part-time work, as many people already have, because even with part-time work, uh, prices will be so low, goods and services will be so abundant, that uh, uh, part-time work can provide you with a decent living, and finally, uh, uh, just to set the groundwork further, uh, as output increases, people do tend to choose leisure over labor. Um, that happened, by the way, um, starting in uh, you know the early 1900s, long before there were unions and government intervening. <coughs> the The work week uh, descended from about 60 hours a week to about 49 by the 1920s, <coughs> and is uh, now down to about 40, 38, 38, 39. If we do have Contrary to the myth that the unions brought us the weekend, obviously it was uh, the soaring output that brought us the weekend. Uh, Workers tended to choose uh, 35 to 40 hour weeks two-day weekends and we could move in the direction of a three-day weekend and the reason I mention that is because that on in itself will cause a huge increase in a certain kind of demand for a certain kind of labor which will be of course the labor that provides hospitality leisure and often hmm. often, often the labor that comes from ordinary people so Definitely. I think that in a way, we could almost just sign off because I've sewn up the whole point. How, well, can, the, I, how can robots t- possibly take our jobs, given what I've just said? Take it away, Jeff. And no, see, I I, I, I see agree
2: with that. everything you you, you yeah. just said, and let me let me summarize what you said by yeah. saying, are robots going to take our jobs? And I think I think the answer is, uh, we, we should all hope so. Um, okay. Because, because there's so much else we want to do other than the thing we happen to be doing right now. And I and I have to I look back at my own my own work life. I've my every advance I've had in my own I don't know, career, standard of living, wh- whatever has been about uh getting rid of things that I had to do, mm-hmm. uh, uh and and having them been been be replaced and and then just doing what I what I have to do mm-hmm. because it's not yet automated. So uh you know, it, it, uh, the com- computerization has saved my life. I mean, like you know, even from the earliest age. I, mean, I remember when I, I got my first uh, first computer when I was in college. It was con- with like a Commodore sixty four or something like that, and it changed my, it changed my life. It allowed me to write papers that people could actually read instead of my terrible handwriting, and and to be liberated yeah. from the manual typewriter, for example. I mean, so well,
1: you see, there's another case in which uh, in which Jeff Tucker. Proves to be an outlier, both in both in his life and in his insights, because uh, just I just get back you back to earth in a certain way, Jeff. I will, I have to say one thing, that the uh, the process of being sort of a public intellectual, like you know, writing, publishing, speaking, uh, about the only thing that's really happened by and large is that. You and I can broadcast through podcast in the way that we have radio, television. That's enhanced right. matters. However, you do know the the odd thing that in, in the late eighteen uh, hundreds they wrote copiously, they wrote extremely well, and oh, they sure. did it with quill pens. So I, I, I wonder, I, I, wonder, I now, for you in your case. In your case, I guess you required technology. I guess you I would did. have been at sea in a circle in, in at the mid 19th century. I,
2: I don't know how. I don't know what I would have done. I mean, my I don't know about you, but my handwriting is so egregious. I, I can't. It always has been. I can't. Yeah. I, can't I can't even well, read my. Well,
1: you know, you are in a category with Charles Dickens. I don't know if you ever saw, you know, I, I Charles Dickens' copy that he submitted to the printer with the quill pen. And you know, I, reading that copy, I get the impression maybe the printer wrote those novels because because I can't. Man, it's awesome. you make sense. It. It's sense it. it must have been familiar with this awful scroll of his. So if you'd been as great a writer as Charles Dickens, then I guess you would have had a, a printer who yeah. would have deciphered well, your awful
2: scroll. Let me ask you about something, though, Gene, that, that slightly bothered me. And I, I don't know how to respond to it, really. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can you can explain it. But you know how sometimes we, we cite the existence of automation as something that is made necessary by virtue of uh, artificially high labor costs. Uh, for example, um, minimum wages are going h- higher and higher and higher. So the so so the you know there's this this higher and higher wage floor, and so no longer can fast food places afford the cost of labor. So they hire kiosks, and and you you see commentary in the free market community all the time. Oh, look at this kiosk at McDonald's. This is this is what happens when you have a high minimum wage. So there's your unemployment. But that seems to be um, in tension with with this general celebration of automation as evidence of a higher standard of living and yet we cite we, we cite these kiosks and fast food restaurants and so on as, as evidence of the failure of certain labor policies mm-hmm. uh, do you see that those those positions are slightly in tension
1: well I, I not really i mean i i wonder if it says one thing because well, I'll, I'll tell you another story uh, that that while uh it was pointed out that in the 1950s uh before uh, you came on the scene but i was around uh where it, if you went to uh, a, uh, a building with rich people or any kind of office building uh they were elevator operators people who operated the elevators for you uh, mm-hmm. and uh and then uh there was and then the union really put unionization pushed through a big increase in wages, and then uh, the uh, and then the uh, the elevators went automated. Now, <clears throat> that was now hmm. the truth of the matter is putting that in context is that while the unionization and the and the high wages accelerated the process somewhat, of course it was inevitable that the that the that by the way the elevators would become robotic, so to speak. Hmm. You didn't have. You didn't have to tell uh, a, a human being that you wanted, you know, the 19th floor. All you had to do was push push the button, and it was user friendly and it was you know, easy for idiots. I I, I mentioned that only because, uh, by and large, the process that we're talking about at fast food is probably going to happen anyway. But of course, unfortunately, uh, it's accelerating uh, too quickly, and it's and it's uh, and it's and it's crowding out that labor. So I I hope I resolved the point. I'm actually, saying, you, know, you know, it's not a bad point
2: yeah. that maybe this would happen. They, they, the, the danger of, of that kind of thinking, though, is you could say, "Well, then, minimum wage, you know, has, has brought us uh, to, 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 to the future more, more quickly. That it's given us, you know, incentivized progress." Well, and, but, but, and that's but, not yes, really but, what but, we yes, to say.
1: But people have to live their lives, and, and what it means is that uh, if you, you know, if you're 17 and you've got that job, and then you lose it. Uh, then uh, that's nice uh, for the world to move more quickly in that direction, but it's denying you work experience and money that you yes. could otherwise get. And yeah. uh, so, uh, so we want, so we want a free market to sort these things out. Uh, and uh, in that sense, it does considerable harm. So what yeah. I'm saying, is we right. can have it. Both ways, uh, the point is that we, we do want automation to happen where uh, where it's it, it makes sense where uh, it's clear enough that the that as in the case of elevators, for example, it was very clear that that uh, that the, the automation automation of elevators the robotization of elevators was going to be inevitable. And indeed, I I like to point out that robots. You know, robots preceded. You know, the uh, the year of your birth. Uh, what, what what were the first robots I encountered? Obviously, the coffee machines, the cigarette machines, and the candy machines. Hmm. But, put your money in and then of course the robots replace the bank tellers we we have ATMs and that's been around for a long time you may recall that President Barack Obama famously talked about what a threat they are uh, those ATMs you know the very fact that people of limited means who couldn't necessarily keep those bankers hours could go to a bank at eight o'clock at night and get cash out you know that he forgot you know that it was a wonderful service for people and and indeed uh, and then of course the easy pass now the public Sector is always way behind the curve, but they figured out that cars could go through those toll stars. So, okay. the, so all that's that. been wonderful. And 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 the, and the key point that we forget, and, and which I want again want to emphasize, is that robotization is very good for people of limited means, uh, people who don't have the time. It serves their needs. Because it basically does a lot of massive stuff that's fantastic for them, and yes. so when you talk about how it's benefited you, that's very touching and interesting. But well, I, I wrote my first book on a manual typewriter. I can't imagine how I could ever do that again uh, no. because it would feel like walking down the, the street with with weights on my ankles. But, but he, you know what?
2: I I must say I'm very I am concerned about one aspect. Oh, Maybe exactly. it doesn't doesn't have anything to do with robot robotization, but yeah. but rather. Uh, Tighter and tighter regulations on on work uh, for for young people. Now it's true that since something like 1934 or 35, something like that, we've had laws against so-called child labor, which is to say that um, that you can't you can't really get a job until you're 16, and 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 really some jobs you can't have until you're 18. Some jobs you can't have till you're 21 in this country because of alcohol laws, right? Um, but uh and i and but, what's interesting about that gene and i'm I'm curious about your own experiences when i was when I was twelve okay i i still had a i had a job because okay, people did not pay attention to these stupid laws right I mean, I was paid cash but i i was there's no shortage of work for me you know i was i was tuning tuning organs and moving pianos and 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 moving fences and digging wells and repairing roofs and uh, delivering hair care products, and I mean, I had so many jobs between the age of of twelve and sixteen, and they were they shaped my life. It was wow. huge for me. What about you? I, I'm curious about your own. Did, was it expected when you were twelve, thirteen, fourteen that you that you would have a job, or, or were your parents the type that said, "Oh no, Gene, you must be, you know, a great scholar," and 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 and, and sit in the school forever?
1: Well, I'd be happy to answer the question, although it sounds like a bit of a digression, but, you know, I was a rich kid, and uh, I briefly had a paper route, but I sort of got bored with that. Although I will say that uh, when I was uh, on Tom Wood's show talking about uh, the uh, my bar mitzvah plan, which is that, you know, everybody at the age of 13, as long as you can read and write, you basically start thinking about what are you going to do for a career, and mm-hmm. uh, and then poor kids could start medical school right away. Uh, and uh, But I, I pointed out that, but the, the most fun I had was lobbing, cleaning latrines, and setting the stage, and sweeping out at a summer theater, uh, an equity theater in Rye, New York, and uh, hanging out with the actors and having discussions about the various musical plays that were being put on, and basically doing menial work for no money at all. Right. I was an apprentice. How old were you? Until, well, I was uh, 15, and. Okay. Uh, and then I had to go back to the dreary high school that they were forcing me to attend. Back to my life sentence of having to attend a uh, classroom, and so that was my life, my circumstance. Uh, but uh, that, but certainly, uh, you know, when 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 we talk about uh, what robotization will do, uh, we always have to temper it, as you suggest, by the risk. That government will get in the way of allowing the economy to sort this thing this out. Is,
2: this is and, the problem. Yeah. This is this is a major problem. I mean, this is true for a lot of things, right? Yeah. There's a lot of good things that happen in the world, but then there's there's bad consequences. Even this idea of you know, people's real fear of robotization—it's not so much, not not even not the robots, not even the automation, and not even the the. Uh, uh, the unemployment that might be associated with certain certain jobs being eliminated, oh. but the fact that people can't retool themselves to uh, to, 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 to change uh, the conduct of their lives, change their skill sets, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. and so then they get sort of left out. Mm-hmm. and And I, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that, except to except that we have to observe that what we need more than anything else is a, is a fluid, a labor market uh, yes. one that you can hop hop from job to job you know hop in and out of to easily move around get new jobs and that's something we definitely do not have in fact yes. i would say that right now the labor market is despite the dec- decline of unions and everything what's actually taken the place of unions is it's, vast bureaucratic I mean, well,
1: well well restrictive lax of, of one sort or another you know to become uh, a beautician yeah. uh to uh to uh, to become even in, in one case uh, an astrologer, I think there's in one state you have to pass an exam, uh, and uh, so there are barriers to entry uh, on all levels. And and even the bureaucracy associated with hiring right yeah. now,
2: with it with the HR and the, the tax compliance yeah. and and the background <laughs> checks and 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 the, the the high cost of healthcare for God's sake, why are we attaching this to people's jobs? This is this is all. Uh, terrible, and it, and it actually makes makes the labor market much stickier. You remember uh, Henry Hazlitt when he talked about his first jobs? Uh, you know, he, he he said, "Well, it was terrible. I was in New York, and I didn't have any skills." So I'd, I would talk somebody into hiring me and, and and I would learn as much as I could until they yeah. discovered I had no talent whatsoever and fired me. Yeah, but, then, yeah. but then I would have a little bit more skill than I had when I began, you know? Yeah. And I would go to my next job and say, I know how to do X. They yeah. discovered I wasn't any good at it. They would fire me. And he said he just rolled through jobs after jobs after jobs that and any at each at each job he'd get a little more s- skill he'd get a little more experience he'd learn very to beat.
1: you know i've beaten the system in different ways i mean i i but it's difficult i mean i i was hired as director of commodity research at a national brokerage house uh, when I was 26, and and I didn't know the difference between a, sh- a long and a short. I didn't even know commodity futures existed. I just talked my way into the job and scrambled and learned. And then and then luckily, uh, when I w- uh, I got my first job at Barron's years later, because I'd written a book about commodities, and they needed uh, a, a commodities editor. And then that transitioned to become an economics editor. So I it, you can beat the system, but certainly in Hazlitt's day it was far easy to jump from job to job. And and then then of course and. A, it, getting back to a a line, a favorite line of one of my friends, you know if I can't fire you, I can't hire you. In those days, they could hire Henry because they could fire him at will. Yes, and the. And then another part of it, which is huge, uh, and uh, made a point made by Harvard economist Ed Glazer. Most intensely, uh, just the fact that it's so expensive to live, for example, in San Francisco and New York, and the people hesitate pe- to to start jobs and to move to those areas because the real estate is so expensive because of the intense regulation on housing. So uh, there's so many barriers, and indeed, that's the part to address uh, if there's ever going to be a problem. But I, uh, but I do think that's that, right. Uh,
2: that is right. I mean, we we've got a, we, We've got a, and the amount of so-called job lock that, that this, this huge big state apparatus yeah. is causing. I mean, yeah. I know so many people are hanging around on their jobs, not because, not because they love them, but, or even that they've got golden handcuffs, but they're afraid to lose their health insurance. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how many people uh, are, are terrified to, and, and that gives bosses inordinate power of employees. And it's just like, we shouldn't live in a world where so many people are unhappy. Well, sure. what they're doing i mean yes. it doesn't make any sense in a in a free market Uh, Even in the presence of mass automation, if you had the ability to just kind of bounce from place to place, and it became an expected thing that that you would walk in and say, "Hey, I'm pretty cool. You want to try me for a few days?" It was like, "Great, you know, come on." But that's that's inconceivable now. And I like to imagine.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll tell you something interesting. That uh, uh, you know, Clifford Winston, who's actually a Brookings economist, he was uh, once opining that we you know we tend to think that there are too many lawyers, lawyers, but really. uh, there aren't enough. I mean, the, the the poor are served by those drones, uh, using not using the robotic drones, but those the, those incompetence at legal aid. When in fact, uh, the idea that there should be barriers to entry to become a lawyer, I mean, it rests ridiculous. I mean, the two aspects of law that I've experienced as a user have been uh, divorce law and then a real estate law. You know, as in both cases, and it's plain to me in dealing with these lawyers that if if I just Told a firm, I'm going to volunteer my services for six to twelve months, and then if I could just follow you around and I'll assist you, or I'll even pay you a little bit inside of six to nine months, I could learn the case law and 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 the specifics of that law, and then practice. But then I can't go to law school and do and then uh, spend all that time doing that. So and I mentioned that only because what's interesting is that. Is that people of high education who get beached, and let's say at the age of fifty, you know what they tend to gravitate to with a to entry or very low? They start becoming real estate brokers.
2: I've heard this. I, I now that you now that you say that is.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really because because you had you know it's not a whole lot to take an exam and get into the field, but then but then why can't they just you know make a transition to be to become divorce lawyers or real estate lawyers or specialize in any particular aspect of the law by just paying a firm to teach them? Uh, just the the barriers to entry at the high end are also awful.
2: Uh, oh, but, and by the way, uh, the practice of medicine yeah. you know oh, is, yeah. is another case that's been regulated for for more than 100, 100 yeah, yeah, years, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, and people look back in the 19th century and say, oh, look, you know, snake oil salesman uh, poisoning everybody, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, right. but, but, but actually, yeah. you know, we've never had a higher distribution of health, health uh, care information out there, and a lot of people have developed weird levels of specialization, but of course they can't, you know, because health is something everybody really cares yeah, about, yeah. Uh, but we, we have this sort of priesthood, you know, out there, that uh, is, is the supply of, of whom are ex- extremely restricted, yeah, and 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 by yeah. and and for for a reason, right? I mean, the purpose is to drive the uh, incomes as high as possible. Uh, and 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 now we've kind of nas- nearly nationalized uh, the the profession uh, with with Obamacare, so that these people don't even have the discretion to make their own judgments. So everybody's being ruled by insurance companies. And we talk about the absence of a free market. It's just disgusting. And the yeah. people still, and 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 then and then you know you you listen to what the the new new uh, democratic socialist people say now, and it's like all solutions to all existing problems of healthcare be solved by. You know, by uh, universal access and socialism, a little bit more knowledge. socialism,
1: but yeah, indeed, uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the if they if they want socialism, then as you probably know, the Veterans Administration, the real socialism in medicine that we have, where the government runs it all, being celebrated by Paul Krugman as as the face of the future, and then of course the scandals uh, that plague that organization uh, have now got them to shut up and. Maybe they're trying to talk about something else, you know. But, but I want, but, I, but, but Jeff, I think we're singing a little bit too much of a dirge. Uh, about uh, what goes on or well, everything we've both said is quite valid and and cries out to be changed and, and certainly contributes to a, a maldistribution of income in the labor markets, but, but people really are incredibly resourceful uh, by and large. We do have a very low unemployment rate, albeit a lot of people sitting on the sidelines on disability, and people do cope. in in different ways. And I I, I do think that we have to stress that when we're taking it for granted, that robots are really just going to shift uh, employment in different directions and not take all our jobs, that we have people like Larry Summers, Former president of Harvard, former uh, uh, very praised economist, who uh, who was who in in government, uh, serving uh, as Treasury Secretary, who who actually gives voice to this concern that robots yeah. are going to take our jobs, and that it would be fine. At least I could go most of the way with, with with Professor Summers if he would say, and and that's because because government is constantly getting in the way of allowing the labor markets to sort itself out.
2: But that's not what I mean.
1: But, yeah. Yeah. but since he's yeah. such a government guy, he doesn't say that. And so you and I do have to talk a little bit more about uh, this fear. Uh, well, about, you know,
2: and and here's the thing. Yeah. You know, if, if, if by robots we, we essentially mean uh, machines that are taking over uh, certain things we used to do, you know, manually, that's manually. That has been going on since, uh, you know, the 11th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably even since since the ancient world. What,
1: was, what's your nomination? See my see see your 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 sense of history just is just amazing to me. I mean, I, I said the first robots were the Coke and candy machines that, that I got fat on uh, when I was a kid in the fifties. But you're saying no, nah, no, no. The first robots were in the eleventh century. What, what was the first robot before the candy machine? Generated? Well, that's when when I we first started
2: to, you. getting you know technology for milling milling grain and u- using oh, water to generate. Great, you know, energy and that sort of thing. But I, I tell you, one of the biggest, uh, okay, the highest status profession of yeah. the of the 11th century and all, all over Europe was the scribe, right? And and the scribe works very closely with the with the with the the, the people who preserved um, uh, the the great music, you know, of of the of the liturgy. Right, and 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 they were the scholars and and the masters, and then then in the eleventh century, the great you know Guido d'Arezzo invented uh, the, the 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 music uh, clef and and lines that democratized access to the entire world and basically made 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 the uh, choir masters. And the wow. scribes completely unemployed, you know, all over all over Europe, you know, to, to much to the shock of 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 many. I mean, to- course,
1: Jeff is parading his knowledge of music, which of course is is way in excess of mine. The guy is an accomplished musician and aficionado of music. I, I guess I'll concede one point just to bring you a little bit down to earth, Jeff. Is that only that? I guess the phonograph was sort of like a robot because it could do, sure. I, I, say, I say when a machine can do what we used to human beings doing, the phonograph recorded what human beings played and then it reproduced it. And so that's like a robot singing, you know, and so you know
2: it's uh, honestly, Gene, it, yeah. it, it, it it, it it does it it honestly does still shock me yeah. uh, that in every generation uh, just over and over and over again for a, a, a thousand years the, these reactionaries uh, are are so afraid of of material progress and and anything that that makes our lives better really technology in general yeah. and it's a pervasive fear and like I mean I can give you just countless examples from my own own work life that Ah, uh, people are are terrified of the next new thing for you know yeah. for whatever reason, and it's, it's there's an element of nostalgia associated with it. That oh, there's virtue in that old printing press, you know, with the ink, and oh, isn't that lovely? And and I, I you know, I know some, you know some people probably you like like physical books. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hold a book. I think it's terrible. I, I, every time I look at a book, I, th- I book, book, I think, why did
1: somebody print that out? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, with that said, Jeff, you know, I, I, first of all, I want to agree with you about one thing. You know, one of my favorite television series called The Wire, uh, they, uh, it, and uh, it, 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 one of the seasons of The Wire was set, uh, in, set in Baltimore, and it was about the Longshoremen's Union. And and, and and we have a scene in which these evil people are presenting, evil consultants are presenting to the company uh, an automated way to unlo- to unload the ship. And to abolish all those jobs, and we're supposed to think what creeps? And of course, my reaction, and hopefully yours, is that this was very dangerous work. I saw on the waterfront with Marlon Brando, like some some guys got killed unloading the ship because of a an intentional accident and so this dangerous work is going away and we're supposed to think it's being brought about by evil people abolishing those jobs so indeed i completely agree with you but then again you and i have to at least understand that when the automobile came in and people and who earned their job as blacksmiths and those who knew how to raise horses and that entire industry the horse and buggy industry uh went, went south then a lot of people got dislocated And uh, that was bad. And that, of course, that's the reason you and I stress that we need mobile and flexible labor markets so that all of those people can find their way to other things that they can do with their lives, even when they're 45 and 50. I think that these things
2: go together and the absence and the absence of that gives rise to these these atavistic, you know, revanchist. Uh, reactionary, nostalgia-driven politics of the left and the right. Right. And actually, one of the most interesting things in our time, Gene, it's been the emergence of this kind of uh, right-wing uh, n- nostalgia you know that, like oh let's bring back steel let's 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 bring back uh, you know uh, uh, things that back you back do. jobs yeah yeah oh and you know, let me add something here too um, so you've kind of like I grew up with the, with the advance of the information age right yeah. and and so many people and this goes for uh, good free market people also have disparaged the value of the information economy as if as if Facebook's not doing anything for anybody. You know, the, the uh, Twitter is just a pile of garbage. You know, yeah. Amazon's never going to work. I remember when that happened. And, oh,
1: yeah.
2: And for yeah. uh, <coughs> 98, 99, people were putting it on Amazon. Then when the stock market, you know, crashed in 1999, mm-hmm. everybody said, see, 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 the Internet's never going to amount to shit. It's all terrible. It's mm-hmm. this all yeah. just a, yeah. a big hoax. And now, of course, they say the same thing about the the, the crypto sector and and so on. Mm-hmm. But but this 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 kind of revanchist, uh, nostalgia has swept uh, the Republican. I don't know about the Republican Party, but it's certainly like in, integral to to the Trumpian worldview. This this attempt, this hopeless and a, a seriously destructive attempt to to reconstitute the entire industrial economy in a way that would make it work like it used to work. I'm, I'm, did i Have I
1: shown you this piano, this this thing? Oh, yeah, you told me, but that piano of yours, are you, are you going to talk about it every session? Yeah, yeah. Viewers, it's 1907. I mean, like, no,
2: 1870, 1870. Yeah. I mean, we used to build pianos in this country. Now they're in
1: Japan. Okay, so do we lose a lot of jobs? We lost tons of jobs. Anybody you really wrote, want to work
2: in a piano factory? Wrote, I don't
1: think so. You wrote a wonderful essay about the piano industry, one of my favorite essays of yours. Ah, uh, oh, thank you. That was by you, wasn't? It? Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, that you know there was a piano in every home, and indeed, I mean, you win some, you lose some. But, but I, I think it's important to emphasize that if you really want to hold on to the past, uh, then uh, then be my guest uh it and, and you may be partly right that you shouldn't let it go you may be righter than the rest of us it's not as though anybody's forcing you to just listen uh to uh you know to dvd uh or, or cds and actually i'm dating myself I just listen to however we get music <laughs> these days forgive me but the point are is, are you that- listening to
2: cds still Gene?
1: <laughs> no no, I'm not. no no i just keep forgetting how we listen to music but that aside uh the point is that you know jeff tucker obviously owns a piano that he loves and put a piano in your home and 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 don't don't bring any any electronically produced music into your home make sure your kids i mean if if you want to force them to learn how to play the piano and just did all of that wonderful stuff that went on in the 30s when everybody was supposed to play the piano and everybody got around the piano and sang Uh, and by the way I, I, there is a wonderful Andrew Heaton, was a great libertarian. He brought me to a, a nightclub, a small nightclub uh, in the in the village. And every night, a bunch of young people get together around a piano and they sing Broadway show tunes. That's so, beautiful. And, uh, yeah. and so and that and with a live piano, and they have a wonderful time singing Broadway show tunes. And because it it got me because I got. Amazing to me that there are a lot of people, kids in their twenties, who st- who do love Broadway show tunes the way I do and the way Andrew does. And so, look, these things are kept alive, keep it alive forever. My point is to underscore your point is that nobody's forcing you to get. You know what's a, what's interesting story, too about this, yeah. Jane. You know, there's a sense
2: in which technology actually does, in, in a in a counterintuitive way, it is the thing that preserves the past. No. we have to have a the future tech in order to make the past real again. I mean, just look at all the music that's instantaneously accessible to yeah. us. you know, two thousand years of music from yeah. all countries instantly with with just a voice command, you know, unbelievable or the or the way we can we have access to so much literature from all over from all time and we' never really had access to it before. I mean, technology doesn't just serve. Uh, some some weird notion of progress in which we're all walking around in space mm-hmm. spacesuits and eating pills instead of dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 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 actually unearthing and, and helping to preserve the past and 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 make it make it uh, alive again.
1: Yes. No, you're that's, no, you're that's one weird. of the great
2: great paradoxes. Hey listen, we've got a question here. Somebody oh. says and I'm curious about your answer to this. Which industries will be adversely affected by automation?
1: Oh Okay. Well, uh, that's. Uh, the, oh, I, I didn't see that question, but yeah. Well, that's of course uh, easy enough uh, to uh, at least begin with the, with the obvious ones. Uh, retailing uh, is uh, br- bricks and mortar retail uh, is definitely suffering. What's interesting, by the way, is that uh, retail employment overall has been flat. Now it should have been growing, uh, but it's been flat over the last year or two. However, where uh, there's really been a plunge. Has been uh, it, at the at the big stores, the uh, at 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 Macy's uh, 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 places like that, where the plunge in employment has definitely happened. Uh, there's no question that the, that that retail space is now uh, vacant and lots of and shopping malls and uh, I'm forgetting the 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 more current term for shopping malls. It's called something else. Uh, shopping center. They they are uh, they are threatened and uh, uh, and and employment. They are threatened, obviously by Amazon, by the fact that people are now no longer using uh, retail to buy things with. You can go on the Internet. You can explore a product. You can squeeze a shaman. I you can browse and books. Barnes & Noble has been toppled. Uh, I feel bad about it. I own a Kindle. I get my books ordered on Kindle. And getting back to your point, of course, all you know, Charles Dickens, Balzac, it's all available for free. Uh, Balzac. Uh, <laughs> what?
2: Well, I'm sorry? You like, you like Balzac? Well, I
1: do like Balzac, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
2: Boy, I, that is just so you i, I read i think only mm-hmm. one thing by oh. him and i found it i found it dreary uh, dreadful depressing i practically was you know just wanted to want to double over into in tears and okay, misery then,
1: <laughs> let's who
2: wants things? to read that kind of crap i can't even believe that you read right. that,
1: that okay well we're going to talk about that so but my point <laughs> is that, that clearly uh, retail is clearly being threatened uh by amazon and uh, and uh, so so that uh, and by of course the by by the uh, and and uh, apart from that um, Jeff Bezos has said head of Amazon as you all know he has said that you really can't be uh, the uh, the online store to the world unless you do food and clothing and so he's now acquired Whole Foods and he's trying to do food and clothing the, the almost the last bastion people tend to go to a store and they try on the clothing uh, they tend to go. To, uh to the supermarket and they squeeze the charm and they want to look at the food and uh, and Bezos thinks that maybe they can buy food online and perhaps bricks and mortar uh, supermarkets are going to be threatened uh, and I guess you can order a you know you can order a custom-made suit by just sending in your measurements and of course a lot of a lot of uh, uh, clothing is just standard so it's very possible that that's going to be threatened so then the big question is what's going to happen to all that real estate once the, once the bricks and mortar stores are, are let's take it to the extreme and say that Bezos gets his way, there will be more room for housing. People would like more space to live in, mm. and uh, so housing prices, rental prices should come down as long as the government gets out of the way. And and obviously, real estate entrepreneurs should convert a lot of that stock to housing because that's probably the most logical uh, logical alternative for it. I once I once, why, I once why
2: not? Wrote, wrote an, an ode yeah. to the warehouse. I don't know if yeah. have you ever been in a warehouse? It's they're they're interesting places. You wouldn't you wouldn't normally I wouldn't think of uh, you as the kind of person to hang out at the warehouse, but yeah. they're, they're, they're they're actually extraordinarily beautiful and and elegant mm-hmm. and, and so clean and and there's a beautiful hum almost like they're, they're like c- cathedrals of of commerce in a way
1: are you, so you, are you you also mean the amazon warehouses yeah any
2: any any any, any large-scale warehouse wow. is, is just the just the, the beauty of the interaction of machine of human intelligence with with machinery mm. and, and and just the, the sound and and the the culture of the warehouse is very lovely. Everything's got to be super orderly, but it's also as a strange freedom in the place. It's 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 just. It's, well, you, mentioned
1: the, the, you, you mentioned the warehouse, and of course, essentially, that's what uh, that, that's what this is all about. Which is yeah. that the the goods are going to go directly from the warehouse to the consumer. They don't have to go through through the through the retail middleman, and uh, and that's uh, that's uh, pretty massive.
2: Uh, but that's gigantic. It's it's gigantic. Of course, it requires. Well, anyway, because I, you know, it's funny to me because my my first real job, aside from all the other nonsense I mentioned, was that I was I was a, I cleaned a department store, mm-hmm. and um, and then I eventually made it onto the floor as a as a salesperson in in uh, the men's 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 clothing department, and uh, those are ever less a thing. Uh, um, I've I've noticed actually some of the most I don't I've not seen any empirical evidence about this, but some of the busiest. Examples of that you see nowadays are actually in airports. You uh,
1: know? Busy examples
2: of of, uh, of, of 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 men's club men's clothing stores. Oh, and, yes. and, and retail in general. Airports are, are a great place because you know I don't, I you know I, when I'm sitting sitting at home, uh, home, I do I really want to fight my way through the traffic? It's two miles to go to the go to the mall, or is it, I just want to click on an Amazon to get my thing and have it delivered to me. I mean, the, oh, I the choices are very obvious, but yeah. when you're stuck in an airport, you know, and you've got a two hour layover, then huh, you got well, time to shop. That's you know? a
1: side effect of, uh, of, of the ways in which the airports are so screwed up by the public sector. So <laughs> you have a lot of downtime. So you go try on some underwear. That's really true. True. But because, and also because of the side effect of the fact that the airport airlines now charge a lot for crappy food and, and, uh, and so you buy a lot of your food at the airport all interesting but but I I, I, I do I do want to emphasize however uh, that uh, when you mentioned uh, 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 just sweeping out, cleaning a place. It was, it was interestingly, uh, Robin Hanson, a very uh, a real a- expert in artificial intelligence, said, you know, you that ironically, uh, this point has been made by many. Ironically, some of the jobs that low IQ people do, you know, the sort of low IQ work you did in your youth, uh, you know, so to speak, if I may use the low IQ term because it's been used Hey. Okay,
2: you can say that, but i I've I worked I was always been a smart worker, even even when I was cleaning toilets,
1: yeah, exactly. But my point is that I cleaned toilets, as I mentioned that summer, and I enjoyed the work, uh, and I swept I swept the stage. and And but Hanson points out that that actually you might think it's easy to create a robot that can do that job, but we've yet to conquer that. You know so oh, for sure. uh, yeah, yeah, so that, so so that he points out that you know we're we're, where the jobs have really been decimated are the, the people who used to be, literally used to be called calculators. There they were human beings called if you, if you walked into an insurance office, you saw, I think it was mainly women, uh, and of course secretaries generally, but mainly women who were pounding calculators figuring things out, crunching numbers for the insurance company. and Now they've been all swept away. That's sort of cerebral work. Took skill, done. I couldn't, I wouldn't be good at it. I was always getting C's in arithmetic, getting my numbers wrong. And, And couldn't imagine I'd ever go into a profession where I'd actually have to do calculations as an economist. But my point is that I want to emphasize one thing in answer to the question, which is that uh, there will be plenty of jobs for people of limited intelligence, at least as far as we, as long as you let the market sort things out. Uh, certainly, there are plenty of jobs, because one of the things that human beings do like is other human beings servicing their needs. So I think that entrepreneurs will always find something, some way to employ people of limited intelligence in in, in different jobs well, well and,
2: and this yeah. takes us takes us back to actually yeah. the the most important point made here which you made really at the outset which yeah. is that we live in a world of unlimited wants and yeah. and and there are literally no there are no limits to the amount of work that needs to be done yeah.
1: and, and, uh, and entrepreneurs and, will sort it out and exacerbate it even and made even more intense larry summers Professor Summers should learn this. uh, Made even more intense by the fact that as output increases, people tend to decide, no, I don't want to work 60 hours. I don't want to work 49 hours. I don't want to work 40 hours. Uh, uh, There will be uh, perhaps a lot of people are going to gravitate toward the standard of perhaps a 30-hour work week, which will mean that there will be even more jobs to go around. So what, what do
2: they do? What do they do with the extra time? They drive
1: Uber. Well, the extra time, they, they basically have their three-day weekend. Uh, I mean, I, actually, I, t- I tend to like the vision of Charles Murray that these three-day weekends or two-day weekends that people spend, they would probably be much better in a libertarian society if they took care of their parents if they, if they, if there was a more of a caring community that which government crowds out, yes, that People does. would have more with purposeful social with,
2: with social assistance state, yeah. uh, which actually, why don't we just touch on the the UBI? I personally yeah. think that the, the idea yeah. of uh, what
1: it stands for, Jeff,
2: please. Yeah, uh, universal basic income, and yeah. it, it's it's become. Chris, you and I are especially bugged by this because it's become a very fashionable idea yeah. in in the in 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 certain uh, uh, Republican and libertarian politics. Is somehow that it's an alternative to the welfare state? It seems to me as the the embodiment of the welfare state. You're never going to replace the existing structure with a universal UBI, and even if you could, I think it would be a disaster because uh, the expense is outrageous. But aside from that. Uh, these, these entry-level positions are, are hugely important economically and, I think, culturally. Yeah. Sure. I mean, so I, what, I find, what I find very, very interesting this is why I asked you about your first job. It's like anytime you want to have a good dinner conversation, just ask somebody, what was your first job? Oh, oh, it was awesome. And they always tell an exciting <laughs> story. Now, if you, if you change the question say, um, what do you remember most about your fourth grade class in mathematics?
1: Okay, now that is a killer of a topic, right? <laughs> well, so, okay, you uh, all right. I'll, I'll go with your point, Jeff. I think you probably exaggerate a little bit. I mean, as a matter of fact, I'm in fact, uh, when I was talking with a bunch of college friends, maybe when I was a sophomore, freshman in college, everybody's talking about their first paycheck. When the, when the paycheck, they're actually paying you to do something. That's really, that was really, that, maybe that's just a bunch of Jewish friends, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say,
2: you know, Gene, none of my friends care, any ever cared anything about money. So I don't know. No, who <laughs>
1: That's why, you know, that. hence the old joke why did God make Gentiles? Because somebody's got to pay retail. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but that I just
2: I genuinely wanted to be I wanted to be useful. And, yeah. and, and the money was, was, was interesting. It wasn't that I, I, of course, I, everybody needs money, right? But what I saw the, 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 the money at the end of the day the, was, it was a kind of a sign and a seal of the fact that I was valuable to somebody for some reason. And that affirmed my humanity yeah. and my dignity. And 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 the contrast of school. Was, was gigantic. There's nothing that happens in school. You think you can you can give somebody a, a a grade and that's going to somehow you're gonna convince them you know like like uh, to mm-hmm. to that 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 they've done something valuable. It's just not believable. Yeah. But 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 work in a commercial space. We work 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 work. And you're doing something that needs to be done mm-hmm. for other people in exchange for which you get payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh,
1: well, know. that's well put. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, you get but. Getting back to the UBI, indeed, it's a strange collection of people who want the UBI. Uh, Charles Murray, of course, is the most notorious. When I heard him defend the UBI and, and where he was predicting that in eight to nine years our jobs will be gone, and then made statements like uh, that people are, are just you know, not working, they're on the sidelines because there are no jobs. I Raised my hand and I said, Charles Murray, you have just repudiated some of your finest books because you have pointed out that people aren't working because they are being given immense welfare benefits that make it very costly to get a job. And you are now just undercutting your so own. So that's the strangest job.
2: thing. It's the under- strangest thing. I can't follow his thinking on, on yeah. this at all. It also seems very pie in the sky. I mean, like, none of us are central planners. We're not going to be able to go to government and say, here, why don't you get rid of these? Following eighty-three programs yeah. and replace them with my one okay. smart idea—that okay. never can happen. Well, that be, will never. Wait, no, okay,
1: you are okay. You're right. At least, but but for what it's worth, we, we we do at least. Let's go with it and say that Murray and others stipulate that the UBI has to replace everything else. So they stipulate that. But but then but, you can
2: okay. to me, this is, okay. this is a this is this is no different from uh uh khrushchev's uh, plan plan for for next year's gra- grain production okay. but no, none of us is a central planner over the state okay and, but- and we can't i mean uh, you know intellectuals can write books but, they, but there's no levers for them to pull and here's the other thing the welfare state as it exists right now exists for a reason bad reasons but 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 it is there for a reason as an example uh, food stamps, right? So if anybody believes that the purpose of food stamps is to get food to the poor, then you're extremely naive. This is a program administered by the Department of Agriculture as a massive subsidy to big agriculture. Yeah. Right? That's the purpose of food stamps. And so how how you as a UBI supporting uh, a designer uh, uh, of, of government, Are you going to deal with that? Okay, you're you're,
1: you're right, Jeff, and of course, let me underscore your point. Of course, government government has a food stamp program that is absolutely massive at the same time that that its policies make food more expensive by subsidizing farmers. So all of that, of course, is just mafioso actions on the part of government. Absolutely. But Jeff, I want to get back to basics, Um, and, and you're right that... Uh, Murray will probably not get his way, but let's at least get back to first principles and ask: Do we really want a society in which the UBI essentially says you never have to work for the rest of your life? We're going to give you a, a basic income, and especially, you don't have to have to
2: especially yeah. catastrophic, especially for young people. You know, it's like, uh, like, uh, like I always wanted to work. You know, I, uh, maybe you did too, but but most, I'm not sure that that's a universal attitude. I mean, a lot of, a lot mm-hmm. of. A lot of, a lot of 14, 15 year fifteen-year-olds, sixteen-year-olds have to be, you know, pushed into the workplace because because it takes the opportunity costs for them are very high. They could be home gaming, they could be texting with a with a girlfriend, or, you know, whatever. Uh, yes. You know, out, out doing doing sports or God knows what, right? And bagging groceries is not what they want to do, and yet. And yet it's really essential to the formation of, of this I'm sorry to even say the words, but but um, it's just reality, uh, the work ethic. Oh well, like, work, like, well,
1: well having, having dignity in life, having a purpose, uh, uh, you know uh, people who work are happier. but, but let, let, let me get down to numbers, which is interesting. you know the, the, there was a, a couple of books published about the UBI, reviewed in The New York Times by Robert Reich, uh, who uh, was labor secretary under Clinton and quite a voice. For progressivism, and uh, he, of course, liked these books, and he said that one of the books is asking that every uh, person who is over the age of eighteen gets a thousand dollars a month for life, twelve thousand a year, huh. and. Reich said, well, but of course you can't live on that. People are going to work anyway. And, if, you know, actually if you crunch the numbers, you know, you we could have, a you know, three people could live together, or you and I could open boarding houses in the Midwest cheaply and we could charge them each uh, you know $800 a month and give them a $200 stipend, and we can make a profit. The fact is that twelve $1,000 a piece of people pool themselves, or indeed obviously these people are going to be disorganized. We could go into business and, and turn and turn out a welfare hotel, they, they they ship two or three to a room, and they pay us, we can make a good profit. I mean, Ed Glazer, I think <laughs> has put it best, again, a Harvard free market economist whom I admire, he said, this is really the stuff of dystopian novels. You know, Let let's uh, you know we, we need a Franz Kafka to write about this. You know, we'll have a universal basic income. Everybody gets a thousand a month and 40% of the population will be living in these boarding houses, just doing nothing all day. Well, maybe the other 60% are going to work if, if that many, you know, it really will cause that kind of dystopia. And it's amazing to me, amazing. I mean, the risks that it can. Do so, because as you say, uh, people who are 16, 17, 18, they are nervous about the world. Give them $1,000 a month. The rest of their lives and uh then they'll get together and you know live in common nine of nine to ten at a time elite that grossing ten thousand a month at this ten to a to an apartment they can do it you can make it and it's, it's that's utterly beyond me.
2: let me ask let me ask you something what why do you suppose so i i think this idea this ubi i first began to hear about it maybe three or four years ago something like that and now and now it seems to have really caught hold yeah. in uh, in the in the especially in this sort of soft libertarian uh, uh, world you know it, it's uh, ever more could... what do you mean? Well, uh, well, uh, like like Charles Murray is a good example. He's only,
1: he's, well, he's the he's an out no, he's an outlier, Jeff. Unless you can say me different, Ooh, I don't well, know. I think
2: the Niskanen Institute is a big is, you know as favored this. The Niskanen what? Institute, the Niskanen, it's kind of an neoliberal. Oh right, I so yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But and yeah. I just yeah. seems like I bump into more and more yeah. people who who yeah. are advocates of this, and um uh, I, I'd love to hear your speculations yeah. on why. My oh, sense well. is that. That some of these guys just get tired of the claim that they don't care about the poor, and and so they they want to rally around some some program which they think uh, would be better than the welfare state, but also yeah. seems very very generous to the unfortunate.
1: But I just, I, I I don't. I think it's what's your sense no. of that? Well, I I, I guess you're right, uh, and I, I I guess if I want to dignify it further, then I I guess uh, let's hope that. These guys recognize that uh, it's the state that makes people poor, that that food is more expensive than it needs to be because of government policies, sure. uh, and that uh, the possibility of people of limited means getting jobs as uh, cosmeticians, as beauticians, uh, of, of driving. The idea that a poor man had to buy a taxi medallion in order to drive a car, uh, all of those things. Well, all of those barriers that make it difficult for poor people to get jobs, the, the, the burden of school that makes it necessary for a poor a woman, a girl or guy to have to go all the way through college in order to, go to, in order to qualify for med school, uh, all of those requirements. Not a burden on the rich, but obviously a big burden on the poor, all of those policies Government against the poor—a book that I was actually written by—I uh, forget who. I think it was George Reisman. Um, government against the economy, but they—they they, maybe they're tired of reminding people that the poor could do a lot better if government would only get off their backs. Uh, but so then they say, look, okay, society's rich enough. Let's just give them a universal basic income.
2: Doesn't it strike you as strange, yeah. though, that that all these, I guess, we just call them these wild uh, jobs programs, go- yeah. government jobs, these nostrums? You know, this yeah. UBI on on the right, and then you've got you've got uh, the the Democratic Socialists all advocating for this big big government jobs programs like the New Deal, and ev- yeah. everybody's trying to solve the problem of 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 jobs and employment at a time when unemployment where we actually experience an extreme labor shortage you know uh i mean look at the you know well that's true true.
1: no so that's why i emphasize that people are resourceful and uh, i and i certainly we're at the upside of the business cycle and of course business cycles are a whole other story about how it persecutes the poor and how government brings them about but uh but i will say that that it's it's great of course that we have a low unemployment rate terrible that we have a whole lot of people a whole lot of men basically just watching television all day getting their drugs from medicaid and and uh and watching tv all day and living on disability all of that stuff is horrible and but more specifically we do have a low unemployment rate but we, we would have a lot of people who could get better opportunities if only real estate weren't so expensive in san francisco and new york if only there weren't barriers to becoming lawyers or beauticians uh, all of those things really would make a huge difference, uh, but, uh, but 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 uh, but it is and and,
2: and privatizing uh, uh, yes. healthcare, health health insurance. I mean, this is. I I'm sorry to go back to this, yes. but yes. I sure. I, oh, I yes. think yes. this is a, a, cal- yeah. a calamity, really, oh, yeah. uh, that, well, that we've tied uh, tied healthcare to to employment. Uh, yes. it's, it's oh, and, yeah. ironically, it's not empowered workers at all. It's yes. actually had the opposite effect. No, sure. and day to day, this is this is a. Gig- consideration for for the average working person. You know, where yeah, they're, they're I mean, not you take yeah. away people's healthcare, uh, 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 and, and and you're going to really d- diminish the quality of their life dramatically. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Obamacare was was a was a calamity in that re- yeah. that respect. Yeah. It was yeah. catastrophic. And and, yeah. and and I, it's one of the sad things that I've uh, I've seen over the last uh, uh, year and a half that you know the the one of the reasons Trump won. Was to do something about the Obamacare because I never really believed anything this guy ever said. So, but but the, but the Republicans completely given up uh, with with their plans to to emancipate people from from the healthcare bureaucracy.
1: Yes, I, I just saw a question and we should uh, okay. Somebody is asking about what will uh, what what will happen to uh, low skilled people uh, who. Uh, Bag uh, groceries at supermarkets. Well, and, this is, uh, this uh, speaks to
2: exactly what we're talking about. I mean, we need we need to liberalize the the job markets for especially for for young people and entry level jobs so that so that there there are there are alternatives. I mean, bagging bagging groceries is is, is a glorious first job. Uh,
1: well, yes, but yeah, I, it's I, also
2: one of the very few that are left, by
1: the way. Well, just one. Again, I, I want to emphasize this nuance, Jeff. I'm saying that. Uh, that there will be, people are resourceful, there will be jobs. Uh, Now, the only real threat, I guess, to those people who bag the groceries is if the the minimum wage goes to 20 an hour and and, and prices them out completely. That will be hard, although, by the way, uh, the other part, the other real untold story about the minimum wage is that it's very hard to enforce and that while, uh, while big box stores that might pay very low wages will be affected, there's lots of stores that will be, lots of, businesses that would be beneath the radar that that can pay market wages. So even there's, that, be, never, my point is that, that yeah. the, the dirge that you want to say, I want to I want to address the bag and groceries point, which, which is that people really are convinced, apparently, that that uh, that the only jobs for people of uh, you know uh, of low skills uh, young people are uh, bagging groceries. There's there's jobs in kitchens. There's jobs in hotels. There's jobs on cruise ships. The the, the labor. If you just look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers, you'll find that what has actually soared are indeed the low wage, low skilled jobs for people of limited skills uh, in the areas that I just mentioned. Hospitals need people, but however... However the old people need people need those grocery baggers to help them out of bed. My 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 stepmother got out of bed, fell, and died. Had there been one of those grab, one of those people around there to tend to her, that accident wouldn't have happened. There's a vast number of jobs for people of limited skills that go begging, or that could be created. It's true. If you, it's
2: it's true shopping. at some level at some age, but but, gro- 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 but in, in, the, in the case of bagging groceries in particular, one of the reasons that those t- tend to be a first job is that there's very few first jobs that are out there. I mean, kids are not permitted to work in kitchens. Government regulations okay. don't allow them. All right, okay. Uh, and and they can't they can't serve yet because you have to be eighteen to serve alcohol in this country. Yeah. So you know there's there's ever fewer jobs available for that for that fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen age range. I and think
1: you are got well, okay. I mean, look, I mean, the, the, this uh, I mean, delivering things. People are constantly true. Pizza, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I think you're, I think you're thinking a little bit too much of a judge about that. Uh, I mean, if, if you want, probably if you if you want to get a job, then then people, what's really happening again? The retail store is not delivering, but 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 then FedEx is, and and there's a vast need for people to deliver. Indeed, it's true, possibly that drones might deliver that stuff. I mean, that's possibly in the future. Uh, of course, you as you said, of course you can't drive a car if you're 16, so you can't get a job driving Uber. And and it's, maybe. That's Hey, I think, and I tend I tend to
2: focus about about yeah. young people here only because I think that's so formative. Well, our lives. I mean, I, I think about the jobs I had between 12 and 17, yeah. you know, it, it shaped my life. So Naomi's telling us we have to wrap up and okay a prediction about the future. And let me just yeah. say this, um, yeah. just t- t- two things that have, have startled me. Uh, one has been, uh, the use in uh, audio of uh, artificial intelligence and the internet of things, in particular, uh, home assistants. I I, I, <clears throat> I have them everywhere. I carry them with me because I, I, I love them so much. I can't believe how wonderful they are. And it's all can't come about so fast, so dramatically, all within the last five years. It's absolutely startling. Another thing that shocks me is uh, driverless cars. You know, that, that seems like some sort of weird science fiction thing that when I was a kid, you know, I did, it's inconceivable, and yet it's really become uh, a, a part of, part of our, our reality.
1: Part so. of, the, it's, it's part of the possible future, 10 to 15 years from now, absolutely. Uh, but I, I guess I want to emphasize uh, two things, that, that human contact will always matter to consumers and any and different kinds of human contact matter uh and uh and and people want other people servicing their needs there will always be jobs for everyone uh, on all levels as long as entrepreneurs are allowed uh to do their thing uh, and then just casting back into history in the mid-1950s the influential mathematician Norbert Wiener. Uh, predicted that inside of a few years there would be no jobs left. Cybernetics was the enemy, and all those machines would take our jobs. And and the left wing in the 1960s was predicting the same thing. It's a something? very old story. And by the uh, way, aren't there still
2: aren't there still states or communities or cities in which yeah. you're not allowed to pump your own gas?
1: Uh, well, in New Jersey, in New Jersey, by the way, you're not allowed to. Yeah, there's it a rule against it. But uh, <laughs> You're not. You. Uh, you have to uh, use something to pump it for you. Absolutely, <laughs> and of uh, course, that makes no sense either. But my my point is that again, uh, there'll always be scarcity. Wants will always be out there. Uh, human, uh, the, the the scarcest resource of all will always be human labor and uh and and we look forward jeff and i to the future when human labor can do more interesting things to the extent that robots replace uh human labor in the less interesting things
2: absolutely we're in total ag- ag- agreement despite my utopianism and your curmudgeonism yes. i think we've, yes. <laughs> we're <laughs> totally agreement. it's good to see you today Curmudgeon- uh, Yes. And uh, here's Naomi. I'm just coming
0: yeah. back on. Uh, I did add another question. Someone okay. was starting in the uh, talking in the chat about Jordan Peterson's point that oh. you, know, you have. What? What about the, like the fur? The lowest. IQ level in society. You know, the well, bottom ten percent. What what do they do in in well, a future society? Well, if, can, uh, well
1: okay, yes, indeed. Again, the lowest percent. Yeah, indeed. Uh, obviously, first of all, those people do have jobs. As, secondly, entrepreneurs will find jobs for them to do. But but third, that there there are. I could list a whole lot of things that people of that low IQ can be trained uh, to do, uh, and that includes helping old people. Uh, around nursing homes we've got a massive need for those people that includes working in kitchens that includes chopping food working for chefs uh, the in fact that the demand for those people has been soaring uh, of late uh, and the idea that that those human beings will not find something to do in, in the advanced economy when human beings are always in short supply I think that's ridiculous.
2: Well, and, and I agree with everything you just said. And just want to add that so long as there's a government, there'll always be a jobs available for uh, the lowest IQ people.
1: <laughs> On that note.
2: It's good yeah. to see you, Dean.
1: Yeah, thank you. Okay. So this has
0: been wonderful. Um, I really appreciate you guys chatting and being here and I think that the live stream's been going crazy. Everyone's been having a good time there. So this has been really, really wonderful. We are making this an ongoing segment because Jean and Jeffrey are two of the most interesting people that I know. I love them both dearly and they're always absolutely fascinating and they never quite agree on everything too. So that's why I like them having them on because they're both libertarians, but they start from this understanding and then grow from there. So I always learn so much. So thank you both. Um, If anyone has a topic for next time, what you would like we should to our, our
2: money discussion at some point because I think Jean, Jean and I have very different views on this. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: it's funny because before we started this live stream, uh, we had just five minutes. So I was like, okay, well, let's just Hang tight, we're about to go live. You know, just relax. And I literally had to break up another argument. They were continuing the Bitcoin fight from well, last why week. That why that
2: was I'm why wrong? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know what I'm going to do in the meantime. We 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 have to continue that discussion. And I'm going to read this book by this Bitcoin maximalist. Who I th- I think you would agree with this book, and I'm almost certain I disagree with it, but I can't say it because I haven't read it. So, who's it by? Bye. Oh, I, forget, I forget his name. It's called. It's called. It's called one. One money to Bitcoin. The one money to rule the world. Something
1: like that. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, uh, do we, I'll. I'll. I'll send you a, a reminder to send me the title, Jeff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: okay. right. So maybe we'll do another Bitcoin discussion because that was that was awesome, and everyone loved. Yeah, and that. And, and,
2: and, and trending towards this this monetary discussion, that where Gene thinks that. That that there's always and everywhere a tendency to gravitate towards one and only money, you know, uh, as as if Gene and only Gene knows exactly what money should should be. And, and, uh, <laughs> you can tell us what it's beginning already. It. It's yeah. already
0: starting. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited about a tokenized okay. economy, but um, this is a this conversation for next time. Thank All you right, sure. so much, everyone. Enjoy your Sunday, and thank you so much for stopping by. This has been awesome.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Bye bye.
0: For extra material and any links mentioned in this podcast please visit NaomiBrockwell.com. If you'd like to watch the video version, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitShoot, or DTube. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future.